Issues. This is Dave Arnold, your host of Cooking Issues, coming to you live from the heart of Manhattan at Rockefeller Center, Newsstand Studios. Not joined with uh, John as usual. He is on vacation. But we do have Joe Hazen in the booth. How you doing? I'm doing great, man. Good to see you. Yeah, Jackie Molecules is sick, so we're down uh, a Jackie Molecules. We do have Nastasia the Hammer Lopez in Connecticut land. What's up? Mm, hi. <laughs> okay. That uh, sounds uh, good. Yeah, yeah. And uh, over there in the upper, upper west, west, Quinn uh, from Vancouver Island. How you doing? Hey, I'm good. How are you? Good. Now, see, that sounded legit. Not like, so I was like, Connecticut, okay, okay. And uh, today's special guest, a longtime friend and friend of the show, uh, John DeBerry, who just wrote a new book called, wait for it, well, didn't just write it, just published a new book called, Saved by the Bellini. Saved by the Bellini. And, Literally. Uh, yeah, if you don't get the reference, then probably you won't get anything It's going to get said. That's the filter. You know, if you don't know what their title means, then just yeah, buy it know. anyway. But. Yeah, buy it anyway, and then, uh, and then just stop listening. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I'm sure, I don't, Quinn, do we have that one uh, at Kitchen Arts and Letters on, uh, on discount or no? Uh, no, unfortunately not. Did they, did, are, are we going to for our Patreon folks? Uh, no. Okay. Okay. Well, we can talk to Matt about it next week, because Matt Sartwell from Kitchen Arts and Letters is going to be on here next week, and I will ask him uh, kind of what's going on. So, uh, since last time you were on, John, which was, I think, it at the old Voldemort Network was the last time you were on, right? I mean, I remember calling in from my closet, so it was like 2020. It was yeah. probably around the same time my last book came out, which is June yeah, June the first time live was for Proto. Could have been that, yeah. Yeah. That okay. too. Okay. Yeah. But, you know, uh, so this is, nowadays what we do is is we shoot the breeze for a little while about anything interesting that happened to us last week. And Nastasia's favorite thing to say is nothing. Nothing. Right? Do you have anything this week, Stas, or is it, or is it, or is it your favorite again? No, I have, I have not done anything interesting in oh, the last week. come on. You, okay. No? It was... I'm not going to say what she did because I don't know. She wouldn't tell me, but it was her birthday. So happy birthday oh, really? to Nastasia. Oh, happy birthday. Yeah. Yeah. Happy birthday. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Um, but I'm not going to ask you because then you'll get bent at me if I ask you on air. So I won't. Okay. Uh, but what I did send her uh, from uh, my position for her birthday was we got the new spins all prototype working. So that's good. You know, so I got this, got the snap, got the poetry snaps going from John. Um, <laughs> So it's working, and everyone can expect to see a lot more about that next week. And it's actually working pretty well. I just have to make a couple of changes. So that's good news, right, guys? Yes, it's awesome. Yeah. It's Why don't you talk more about it? Well, for those of you that don't know, Booker Index, uh, the company, which is, you know, uh, Quinn and Nastasia and myself at this point, was John before he decided to go chefing it up. Uh, you know, we built a centrifuge called the Spinzol that is for bars and restaurants. And uh, nobody wanted it because no one knew what to do with it. And then we actually built a market for it so that I people, yeah, see, pe we built a market for it so people really wanted it. And then as soon as we were like, oh, this is going to be a real business again, the factory changed hands and they stopped the ability to make it. And we spent the last oh, like wow. three years, Stas, three years trying to get it built again. Yeah. 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 And so finally the factory's like, okay, we'll build it. And so we're changing like a, yeah, yeah. So we're changing a lot of the stuff, like, for instance, like a bunch of people in Europe and Asia bought, not a bunch, some people in Europe and Asia bought them, and then it's fine when they used it, but when they handed it off to their crew, they would plug it directly into 220 and explode it. Oh. And they're real expensive to ship back and forth, right? So that, we fixed that problem. So we fixed a lot of those kind of problems, you know? It's like, you know, just better all around. It, it, there's an, an old interlock on it that was a solenoid for safety reasons, and people would kind of burn that out. And so now we have a mechanical interlock, which can't be burnt out because it's mechanical. What does the interlock do? So, when you well, you know, the old, oh, you're just saying that to be nice to me. When you have the centrifuge, the old centrifuge is, oh, really? So when you, when you close <laughs> the centrifuge, you remember Booker and Dax, when you yeah, close I, the centrifuge, I do. you couldn't open it when it was spinning because Got you would it. die. Right. Right. And so even though this is inherently a lot safer because it doesn't have giant, you know, buckets spinning around, 
uh, you know, something that looks like a propeller that could like take your arm Literally. off. It's a lot smaller. Yeah. Still, we don't want you to f- touch it while it's spinning. Right. Right. So we actually had it physically locked shut when it was uh, spinning. And then it, it would wait until it slowed down, you know, and then all of a sudden you could push a button and a solenoid would go and, and then you, unlock it. You and you, But it's all, it always was a pain in the butt, that, that interlock. Um, it wasn't designed that well because the, the company that did it didn't really understand why we wanted it or safety. So this time, or safety in general, uh, so this time around we um, – built a, an actual mechanical thing it works like it works like it's like a it's like a hex that fits through a plate and so when it's spinning you can't pull it back off because it's like it'll it'll, it'll, it'll lock yeah it's like trying to put you know a round peg through a hexagonal right. hole you know and then uh so when it stops you just use a little wrench so pop it's the action of it spinning is what locks it yeah cool yeah that i used to do this um at home when i was like you know nine years old i would hold open the the um the washing machine and I would turn it to spin cycle and then I would find the little button that keeps it, you know, that, uh, that, yeah. that clicks when the door shuts. Yeah. Yeah. I would let the thing go and I would let it spin in the, just put coins in there or whatever it is. Oh and yeah. That sounds that great. It was super yeah. fun. Wop, 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 yeah. Wop, wop, wop. yeah. Yeah. Nice. And like, so it's like that. Do they, I don't remember. It's been a long time. Do they have a, the S is about to hit the F sensor in them so that they stop walking ac- across the room or could, could you get it really? Like, oh, calm? I don't know. It never my 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 the one of my parents' house never actually went anywhere, but uh, it yeah. did bang against. If it if it went like if it hit the side too hard, it would stop. So when I moved out of um when I moved into uh, my illegal loft in the thirties, this was in ninety ninety seven. We moved to an illegal loft in the in the thirties on thirty eighth Street, twentieth nice. floor, Garment District. Spent the first week and a half scraping gum off the floor inside because okay. it was you know legitimate like all the workers were being horribly exploited so they're like i'm just gonna spit the gum out right. here why do i care you know what i mean like poop in the so people used to go poop in the there's a fire stairwell right mm-hmm. so there was a regular stairwell and then there was a fire stairwell and because the the companies in the building weren't supplying adequate facilities for their workers they right. would just go into the fire rest well uh, uh you know, stairwell and pee and poop so like Amazon. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Basically like <laughs> Amazon from, like, but in the 90s, you know what I mean? So, um, so much has changed. My, one of my great regrets is that one, I, I don't do pot or grow it because that place was the perfect place to grow pot. Why? Because uh, the sweatshops were still going and they were using immense amounts of steam energy. Oh, so the heat was... The heat signature yeah. was all there anyway, and everyone had all of their windows blacked out anyway so that their workers wouldn't know what time it was. That's great. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah. horrible, but yeah, yeah. yeah. But <laughs> if you had wanted to be a pot grower, right, Indeed. it would have been, you know, ideal. All concrete floors, like 10 and a half foot ceilings, like, you know, open. It could have just been like one massive amount of power. I mean, who knows? Maybe that's actually what they're doing down there because it's legal. So there's probably some tech bro with some... Yeah, but like, can you make as much money now that it's legal? Yeah, I think so. Really? I mean, I don't, yeah, know. I don't know. Not my, not my thing. I guess more people are buying it, so it, they, you know, the revenue, like the the pie gets bigger. Yeah. Are you are do, do you are you a a, a pot fan? I do. I am a pot fan. Do yeah. you do pot cocktails? Uh, not really. I mean, I do. There's like so. There's a few legal uh shops that have opened up in. There's like unlicensed stores in New York City that have been around for like a year, and then there's like actual literal licensed places that are there's only like three or four in the city and one is run by housing works and i got some like this little grapefruit soda yeah and it's really good but i don't like mix with it like, are you allowed to like in other words can you you can't probably serve probably THC not in a restaurant in, i don't know i don't know what the rules are i don't know if there's like a if there's like a sla for wheat do you know who would know is our friend don lee Probably. Yeah. Yeah. He knows he all of those things. Yeah, he would know that. He knows all the workarounds. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I know they cracked down on CBD. The DOH did, did a whole CBD thing. Like, Why? It, Isn't it like unregulated? I think it had to do with like the labeling or like the claims that people were making and they were like, you couldn't put in something like that. I don't know. It, there was some sort of weird crackdown where they were like telling you, you can't mix CBD into your drinks. Huh. All right. Well, whatever. Maybe you couldn't have health claims. I don't know. Anyway. Yeah, something like that. So back to this loft and your washing machine story. Uh, so we, you know, there was no laundry around there because it was not a residential neighborhood. You know what I mean? Like, and I didn't it's want ironic to, for the garment district. Yeah, yeah. Right. So like you, like, 
I didn't want to walk down to you know, or walk up to what you know proper Hell's Kitchen. Right. You know what I mean with my laundry. So we got a laundry, you know, like a used like laundry uh, washing machine, and um, <clears throat> we only had one drain in the entire apartment, and mm-hmm. I wasn't allowed to do any real renovation to it because we weren't there legally. So our tub was up on cinder blocks, and I cut into our sink drain, and like this is all like nineteen twenty seven piping too. So like. And I cut into it, so our tub was way up high, a completely unaccessible nightmare, right? And then I just wheeled the washing machine next to it. We kept it on casters, and I would just take the drain the thing tube. and stick yeah. it right in the bathtub. Yeah. The drain tube right into the bathtub. Only, like, once it walked, like I'm talking on the casters, and the drain thing pipe came out of the thing <laughs> and started dumping, dumping water. And Jen and I, my wife, we were out doing something, and below us had just, because it was switching when we moved, it's fancy photographer started coming in, and it went all into the dude's studio below us. Right, It's kind of a nightmare. Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, well. Well, you know, illegal living. Yeah. You know? You get what you pay for. You get what you pay for. <laughs> Although, I don't think he lived there. There was only one other person who lived there full time, and a creepy dude in the mechanical, like, tower, like, next to us. Super creepy. That's kind of fun. Yeah. Well, that's why, yeah. do you remember old school New York Fox police locks? No, what's that? So if, if you went to an old school loft building, the, the guy who sold them died in the 90s, to, you know, apropos of this. But if you see the old doors where you pull on a central knob and, oh, and it you, does the little yeah, you rotate thing. it and the bars, the bars come, in. Yeah, come yeah. in and out. And so we had one. I installed cool. one. And as, and as soon as that thing was closed, I was like, I'm in here. You're not going anywhere. Man, like, you know, <laughs> no one wants to kill me badly enough to make it through to this through door. That. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so I felt okay. As long as we never answered the door and never answered the telephone. Didn't lose your keys. Didn't lose your keys. If you long know, you toast. <laughs> You're toast. Unless, you know, someone's inside to let you in, you know? Right. Yeah. Anyway, good times. Good Illegal times. living. Uh, so do you have anything interesting this week, John? That, uh, well, this week I, my book came out today. Well, so there's that. Well, okay. But like in the kitchen or like in the kitchen or mixing or foods. Well, I, um, I'm doing a consulting project out in Brooklyn for this place called Cafe Mars. And we did, I had a little R and D session last week, which is very, I used to do it all the time from Mofuku. That was like my job. I was going and just bake drinks and do menus for, for the restaurants. And so I haven't done that a lot recently. So I actually was like behind a bar like making drinks and how how that like make the drink and it's like oh let's do a quarter ounce instead of a thing and it's like i was like so it was very like blast from the past so how do you like that doing versus doing development at your place um it's nice to do it with someone and also it's nice to be the person who just gets to walk away (laughs) (laughs) be like boom yeah like oh i finished like here are your specs and then you know there's like a restaurant that has to deal with it yeah well, like how many times do you have to go back and, and make sure they're not hosing it too bad? I don't know. How, how, how hard do you bulletproof stuff like that's that? That's a good question. I mean, so I did another I did another consulting gig. Have you heard of this uh, restaurant called Ursula in Brooklyn? It's like a Tex-Mex kind of, it's like a New Mexican burrito, breakfast burrito place. It's good. It's great. It's amazing. It's this guy, Eric C. Who's in, anyway, so uh, we did a, I did a cocktail program for him that was like, he didn't want to hire bartenders. So he just wanted to keep all his existing staff from this breakfast burrito place. So we right. basically did a fully like batched program. With, but so, so, so but it was the regular like, FOH staff is pouring it yeah, from a batch. Right. Stage. Okay. So it was, so that all pump and dump straight pump. pump and exactly. Dump. Yeah. So that was like, you know, you just build in all that kind of like, you just have your sort of manager expectations around like what kind of, you know, bells and whistles you can put in the drink, you know, right, you're right, not right. doing bar spoons, you're not doing, you know, fancy stuff. It's just like, what is this going to, how is this going to like batch out and then just be pourable and still be really good. So you're like, but then for the, something like that, it, it, to me, like my mind is always like, they're not going to regularly put their thumb over the bottle and go chungunk, chungunk, yeah. chungunk. You know what I mean? Like that, like it, you could work your whole life making a great batch drink. And if they're not just going to like put their thumb settling. and kajunk, kajunk, kajunk. No, they're, they, I mean. They only need to do I it a couple the, of times a shift. Do that, yeah. How many times a shift do you think they need to do that? Twice, three times a shift, depending on how often times. they're pouring it? I mean, you're just bored. You're just like. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But see, like I'm a natural fidgeter. So for me, everything's going to get yeah, mixed exactly. around. I'm like spin, spin, twist. Yeah. You, know, <laughs> me, 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 you know what I mean? Like you have to stop me from touching things. <laughs> That's like a, actually, it's kind of a problem. Wait, like, next Booker Index uh, lab product is like a batch bottle with a built-in agitator. G- g- yeah. 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 Do you remember, um, <laughs> I remember uh, Souther from, uh, who was, you know, doing, he was at Booker Index, but he was also doing something at Amore Margo. He, uh, he was like getting hassled. He wanted to keep things, uh, you know, 
not to not stratify in a keg situation. So he oh, actually built a magster magnet thing. Yeah, yeah. I heard about that. But there was also because the 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 city government was being a pain in the ass about rebot. Remember when yeah. for a minute mm-hmm. we thought that the uh, that they they were going to come in and nuke us all for uh, for batches for batches. Yeah. And we're all like, oh, what are we going to do? What are they going to do? I'm like, I'm just not going to worry about it until we get completely hosed. And then it just kind of went away. Well, it was like when everyone was starting to do everything on kegs, like yeah. keg GNT, GNTs, it was like this huge collective crisis that we had to figure out how to like make it agitatable. Yeah, yeah. But I don't even know why that gets you away from it. As long as it's constantly. Oh, okay, I remember the argument. You ready for this? You ready? Yeah. This is how dumb it was. As long as it's being stirred, it's being made. Yes, that's right. Yeah. That rings a bell. Yeah. Yeah. My argument for like so the bottles. Like actively being Actively prepped. being prepped. Yeah. My argument for our bottles is like I'm making the drink and pouring it into a glass. And here's your glass. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like. Well, what if, what if the recipe includes letting it sit undisturbed for 12 hours? Right. Right. That's my point. Like it's all dumb anyhow. <laughs> like I get that. Okay, so I probably shouldn't say this, but when we opened, I maybe I said it on air already. It doesn't matter. It's like when we opened existing conditions, um, we took over an existing place, and with it came their inventory. Oh right, a hundred percent watered. Because I'd always no. kind a hundred percent watered. So I had gone through life thinking that that was something from the past. Yes. You know what I mean? And even with the whiskey watered. and stuff, especially the whiskey. But like anything that cost money was watered. Jeez. And like anything. By how much? Oh, like unusable. Un- unusable. We dumped it all. That's so insane. Yeah. yeah. So like, I was like, what the hell is this? And I was like, is it me? Am I just a super <laughs> booze hound? And I, and I can't tell what's <laughs> Am going Am I broken? On? Yeah. And so like, I poured it for other people. I was like, what do you think about this? And they're like, this tastes <laughs> like water. Yeah. I'm like, wow. Wow. Yeah. Real bad. Wow. Real, real bad. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, so I see why they have those rules, but like, if you're not selling a poor, in other words, it, that you should be allowed to put anything into a bottle as long as you're not saying it's something like right. you can't pour someone. You can't misrepresent what you're selling. Right. right. You can't be like, this is this whiskey. And in fact, it'd be like right. something else. But like, we never did that, obviously. Right. Anyway. Uh, Quinn, you got anything interesting this week? Anything? Uh, yeah, I made a nice carrot risotto. The other day. What does that mean? My dad did. What does that mean, carrot risotto? Carrot instead uh, of rice no, or an orange rice? No, like a carrot flavored risotto okay. with rice. Juice? So like vegetable stock. Okay. Um, basically vegetable stock and then a batch of roasted carrots. Some of the roasted carrots got blended and then further strained into the stock. Okay, and and then also pieces of the roasted carrot. When you say pieces, like peas and carrot size pieces, I like peas and carrots. Yeah. Don't even talk nasty about peas yeah. and carrots. Cubed, cubed little yeah. carrot pieces, mm. pro, very yeah. pro. Yeah. Uh, can I tell you something that just reminded me of? You know what doesn't freeze well at all, like at all? Chicken salad. Horrible. I was thinking frozen peas and carrots works. Yeah. Frozen chicken salad. Is it the chicken? It turns like spongy. That makes sense because the and freezing like like, breaks all spongy. the salt walls. So yeah. It's just like, mm. uh, yeah. But like frozen meat's okay. Like steak. Yeah, but once you cook it and then once mix it with, it, you cook right, it, you, you mix yeah, it with yeah. the mayonnaise. You can even cook it a whole and do it, but like once you mix it with the mayonnaise and the celery and no the return. onions, no, no coming back That's from it. that. No. Yeah. And I know it was a good chicken salad because I ate it and I was like, you know. I'm trying to get ready. Would you wash off the mayonnaise and put it back in the... I don't know. I would. But I'm trying to get ready for this whole, you know, not like only cooking for, you know, two people again. And uh, I was like, so I'm going to try to freeze this. Because we're not going to, you know. Right. Yeah. Anyway, doesn't work. So back to the carrot right. risotto. How was it? Uh, really good. Yeah. I also cheated a little bit. I'm playing around with um, savory nucleotides, you know, um... Inocinate and guanolate. Yeah. It's a terrible name, Just guanolate. Sounds like guar. Guano. Yeah, guano, guar. Guar, yeah. yeah, yeah. Guar's the band, right? Yeah, guar's the band. Yeah. You ever listen to and guar? And gun. I don't think so. And, uh, well, it's spelled differently, Quinn. Guar the band is G-W-A-R. That's true. And guar, I, I, they're both pretty metal sounding. G-U-A-R is also pretty metal sounding. Guar. Do you use guar? Oh, you just said guar. Do you even guar, bro? Guar. What? Guar? <laughs> hey. 
This is a public service announcement. Anyone out there using guar, please get the flavor-free guar. Flavor-free guar. Do not buy standard guar. Standard guar tastes bad. Tastes like what? It's like tastes like ground-up bean junk, like bad bean junk. Mm. You know what I mean? Like no good. Get the flavor-free guar. You know what I mean? It tastes like the stuff that guar the band might spray on you in a concert. Okay. Right? Tastes like it tastes. You know that taste of uh, glycol smoke at a, at a at a mm-hmm. concert. I kind of like that taste. All right, well, maybe you like the regular guar. Maybe. Yeah. All right, cool. so Quinn, back to your mm-hmm. saying. You cheated and you added these uh, these uh, nucleotides and whatnot. Guanolate. Well, I didn't cheat. Okay. I, I, your I words, say, Quinn. Yeah. Your words, not mine. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, true. All right, so <laughs> so uh, what happened? Did that jack it up? Yeah, yeah. You know, I'm, I'm experimenting with, you know, being very delicate with those sort of things. Mm. I find with anything that's supposed to have like a brothy flavor it really works yeah anytime someone says delicate the way you did it the wicked witch of the west goes directly into my head these things need to be done delicately remember that or it breaks the spell remember because she's trying to kill dorothy but if she just kills her she doesn't get the shoes back the ruby slippers is no one here in wizard of oz land with me son of a god sorry i mean i've seen the movie i just don't have apparently she was a nice lady yeah yeah, she was also the Maxwell House lady. That's right. Yeah, yeah, and she almost burned to death doing that, sh- doing that, doing that shoot. Yeah, she did. Yeah, yeah, like legitimately, almost burned yeah. to death. Yeah, like there's like the like the movie you see her like burning. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. You know what I'm gonna say? Worth it. Worth it. I mean, like it's iconic. I mean, we all die. <laughs> there's only one Wizard of Oz. You know what I mean? Original Wizard of Oz. Time is the fire in which we burn. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> anyway. uh... So do you feel that you overuse the broth machine or uh, the uh, the uh, nucleotides, or do you feel like you, you hit it on the money there, Quinn? No, I'm pretty happy with that. I, though I do, I usually I do. And this time I just told my dad to add, like, a little tippy, like, teaspoon. I should have measured it. Yeah, yeah. Did you say tippy teaspoon? Like, the, like you know, like, a, like the very tip of a spoon. Wait, would you say you just, I mean? would you say just a tip? Like, maybe. <laughs> Family show. Your, your, your words, not mine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, all right. So, uh, okay. And what was the color? Was it dirty or, or orange? Did you saffron it? To no, pump it, the- it was. No, actually, what I, what I pumped the color with was a little tomato paste. Okay. Which sort of balanced it out. And added some, uh, added some umami. Yeah. Yeah, all right. Mm. Fair, fair. Uh, is does anyone like uh, parsnips more than carrots? I think they have their place. I didn't say do they have their place. I didn't say should parsnips be exterminated. I said does anyone like them more than carrots? No. Yeah, right, no. Stas. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm talking about. Stas is like no, because why would you? It's like a parsnip is carrot minus. Like, you know what I mean? It's like, you know what? Like, I'm not in the mood for something that's kind of as good as a carrot. Let's and go a little with a, bitter, yeah. Yeah, let's go with parsnip. I'm not anti-parsnip. I'm just pro-carrot. So what's the benefit of parsnip? Is it easier to I don't, grow? I don't know. Less water? I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I like a parsnip with my carrots. Okay. when they're uh, blended together. Mm. Hey, you know, yeah. when you buy a lot of those multicolored carrots, a lot of those... Yeah, uh, par- uh, yeah, they're basically flavorless. They might as well be parsnips. Yeah. You, know I mean? you, you just get a CSA yeah. box and there you go. Yeah. Yeah. Someone's <laughs> going to hand you a parsnip. Yeah. yeah. I mean, when was the last time you were like, oh, okay. It, also, like, whatever. I tend to add a little bit of sugar to my veg. Like, you know, the old way they used to teach us is, you know, you salt and sugar with the water and then you steam it down, pull it and glaze it off. And the sugar kind of caramelizes. So I mm. always tend to add a little sugar anyway. So why would I want to start with something that is like so neutral? The carrot has like a good amount of sugar in it yeah. already. Plus carrot flavor, you know, seems like a win to me. Anyway, not anti-parsnip. I know someone's going to be like, parsnips are really, really good. Okay. You know what I mean? All right. How uh, dare you? How dare you? How dare you go against my <laughs> parsnips? Uh, so, the subject, uh, anyone else, uh, anything this, this, uh, this week, anything else we want to talk about before we get into the, the meat, the meat of the week? No? 
I cooked a lot of meat the other day, actually. Yeah. Uh, it was my wife's birthday last week. So I did the, but I had to, I had to go, I had to do all the stuff pre-cooked because I had to walk in and do like dinner for 10. I had to walk in at 5.30 and have dinner done by 7. So I did okay. all like pre and like, and style. And, and yeah, blasted through it. Just like freaking ripped through it. But it's good. I mean, like, you know, my steak is pretty standard at this point. So I didn't do anything interesting to talk to people about. Unfortunately, if you've already heard me say how I make steak a million times, then it's pretty much the same. You know, I bought it though at Albanese. You ever been there? Where's that? That's that butcher shop on Elizabeth Street that is like just south of Houston. And it's like has been there for like almost like 80, 100 years, something like that. And it was Mo. Who was I it? remember Mo. You remember Mo? Of course I remember Mo. I mean, he eventually died, as like I said, like we all do. As one does. As one does. Uh, and now his granddaughter runs it. So huh. you go in there and his granddaughter is like, you know, she's the butcher. And it's like, it's like you're walking into somebody's like living room kind of, but there's wow. also a meat case. So it's like, it's like half living room, half meat case. What kind of living room? Like, you know, there's like a, like a chair you can sit in and she's got like some tchotchkes there and like, like big, upholstery, like wing chair. Like what are we talking about? My memory of it <laughs> is that, yeah, that it's like, yeah, that it's like, you know, that like chair with the, with the yellow kind of like, maybe it was fuzzy at one point mm -hmm. upholstery that you can kind of sit in. It's got the two arms and you're chilling while she's talking to me about the meat that she's going to sell me, you know, and she has a w cooler in back and. Uh, you know, her scale is from like 1950 and mm. I, th I think it's still legal for trade. I didn't care because I was going to pay whatever okay. she told me. Yeah. Anyway, I don't care. You know what I mean? But it was a good experience. That's nice. Yeah. I should go. Yeah. Uh, right. Support some like weird, like small I bet, New York. I mean, I lived in Lower East Side for like 15 years. And I had no idea it existed. Yeah. It's been there. Yeah. yeah. And <laughs> where do you live before that? I don't remember. You, I lived on Eldridge Street. Oh, okay. Well, by the way, John and I are practically neighbors. We live in, we used to be in the same co-op but there was a fight about you're, the, you're in the splinter co-op wait so you consider yourself the the og co-op i mean i i consider it unfor i wish i was in the splinter co-op because the co-op board is a mess but well all co-op boards are it's nightmares. true yeah and our in particular neighborhood so the, so basically there is a six block chunk yeah right between um between uh essex. yeah essex street in the lower east side and the river yeah and along grand and it was all built in the 50s, right? And it was built for the Women Garment Workers Union and others. But it was these, they were called Mitchell Llamas. And there are these 20-story high-right. They first built a lower one called Amalgamated. Amalgamated. That's, was it Amalgamated Bank? It's the same group. Oh, really? Yeah, it's the same guy. Oh, awesome. Yeah. Anyway, so they- so Hillman. They, so, yeah. Well, so Hillman was yeah. the second one. And then yours, East River, and mine, Seward. Yeah. But they were all at one point, not the Amalgamated, but the East River, was Hillman ever part of us? Yeah, Hillman just broke off from East River like last year or the year before. So all of these co-ops, this entire- They had like, to move the office from Hillman to our building. Really? Yeah, because they got kicked out. Oh. And they were yeah. really bitter about it. Why? They have a whole different vibe. To me, the big thing is, is that our buildings have lobbies and their buildings, the lobby is outside. Oh, in, in Hillman and Amalgamated, the older ones? Yeah, 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 yeah. Anyway, point is, is that this whole neighborhood was one big co-op and then they all split up, so- you know, now we're mortal enemies. Balkanized. Yeah, yeah. Mortal yeah. enemies. Yeah. <laughs> like the way they do in the Balkans. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. Very much so. Uh, anyway. Uh, so talk to me about, uh, talk to me about this book. Uh, what to say? Uh, basically. Um, Before you start. Yeah. How the hell did this happen? That's kind of what I want to know. How did like, this happen? So first of all, John DeBerry, for those of you that don't know John DeBerry, John DeBerry uh, was at PDT, one of the most famous like cocktail renaissance bars. Did you open it? Oh, um, no, but I op I, I started within a year of opening. So, okay, so I, that's opening, whatever, yeah. right. So, uh, you know. Before it was big enough for, for me just to like waltz in with no experience and just be like, hey. Right, yeah. and and by the way, the, the, the people who were there at that time were like Don Lee, Don Lee. John Darragon. Who else was there? Jim Meehan, obviously. Jim Meehan, yeah, I mean, yeah. But, yeah. Um, uh, yeah, that's kind of, yeah. And, and then, no one else had been like, I'm going to, you're going to have to walk through a phone booth. I mean, first of all, so many genius decisions in that bar. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, the, the getting like chefs to like give you products so that you could put out hot dogs at like, you know, infinite margins. And yeah. like, I mean. Getting fried mayonnaise from WD-50 every yeah. six days. Yeah. Nuts. Come on. I mean, crazy. Anyway. Yeah. Huge, huge influence. Uh, very like for th for those of you that haven't been to New York, or for those that are 
I don't know, 30 this year, like that you can't understand, uh, you can't really understand. Uh, it was a big deal. PBT. What it was like back then. Yeah, yeah. it was a big deal. Uh, anyway, so from there to uh, another tiny restaurant group, uh, the Momofuku. Yeah. Like meant- tiny. Yeah, no one's heard of them. No one's heard of Dave Chang or anything. Under of those. the radar. Under the radar, yeah, people. So sure. you kind of decided to go under the radar for a while. Yeah. Uh, and then while you were doing that, started writing. Kind of, yeah. I was at, I was at Momofuku for nine years. Uh, so I was the bar director for the group, and I opened 10 of their restaurants-ish. Um, and then uh, as I was sort of like, you know, nine years is a long time to do anything. So yeah. I was sort of like, mm, like how long am I going to do this? Uh, a book a book deal came along. Um, <clears throat> so... That was my first book that came out in 2020. Came out on the day that everyone was posting Black Squares to Instagram. Uh, that was my pub day. Oh, uh, yeah. um, So that was Yay. great. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and so that, that, and that book was more of like, hey, I'm going to take everything I learned about like teaching people how to make drinks and make it really accessible to people and very much like, hey, it's not actually that scary. I almost like, it's almost like the exact opposite of your book. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, funny. Uh, and at the same time you were working on, um, your, you, you were doing a, a non-alcoholic. Yeah. I was developing a non-alcoholic drink company. Proto. Proto. And, and, oh, it's so hard to make a product. We could talk about it. So, yeah. It's impossible. Yeah. Especially a product that is consumed that you have to ship around. Yeah. And I I made a heavy, heavy bottle that costs like $20 to ship. Ridiculous. So it was like nuts. Right. So you can sell locally, but then as soon as you try to distribute and. It, you know, we had to go direct to consumer because of COVID. So it was like that whole, you know, not being on a hand truck and just getting loaded into yeah. your bar. And then it turns yeah. out that if you personally have to do everything, then, uh, it sucks. It's a pain in the ass. Yeah. 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 It sucks. Uh, and then also you want to talk about your, uh, charity work? Yeah. So I started, it's actually, this, this actually started way like before all of this, but in like 2016 or so, um, <clears throat> A Momofuku colleague of mine, uh, Alex Pamulia, we she had left at the time, but we were. Do you know uh, what we call her? What? Tara Pamulia. Tara Pamulia. I don't oh even know that God. doesn't. Yeah, yeah. Is what's what's that? What opera is that from? I don't know. Da, 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 la, la, okay, anyway. Stas, is that accurate? <clears throat> yeah, you came up with that. Yeah, I, I don't know what it's from. Cosi Vantuzzi? No. I don't know. Anyway, um, like I know about opera. What am I even doing? Uh, uh, and we were kind of despairing after the 2016 election, like, you know, things are going to get worse before they get better. And like, how are you know, rest- people who work in restaurants are so vulnerable as it is? Like, how do we kind of shore up the kind of power of uh, workers in the industry? So we came up with the idea of having, of creating a community foundation, um, which is basically an organization that raises money and then gives it away. So it's sort of like a fundraising operation at, at its core. It does other things, but that's basically the core of it. Um, it's called Restaurant Workers Community Foundation. Uh, we had an opening board of people you've definitely heard of, like Souther is on it, Lynette, my husband Michael uh, was on it, um, and some other restaurant people and some other nonprofit people were were included as well. And um, we launched in 2018, and it was pretty quiet, and we didn't expect to do very much. We just thought we'd sort of slowly build and then nothing momentum, happened. and then absolutely nothing happened to the effect of the restaurant industry <laughs> in 2020. And so, uh, so just out of nowhere, people started sending us tons of money because it was like, well, how do we help restaurant workers? How do we support this this community? Um, and so, in 2020, when everyone was like, "Oh, what do I do? How do I? You know, do I do sourdough?" I'm me and my husband and you know our board of all volunteers at the time we didn't have any staff we were just like cranking money out to other organizations that were doing like direct that were directly interfacing with restaurant workers so um, so you're telling me you made no sourdough i actually did buy a hundred pounds of uh bread flour by accident from like okay okay well you know when you you know in like in like april of 2020 when you would like when like chef's warehouse would do like retail like home delivery yeah and when amazon was like a week away exactly and then you would so you you have your cart and by the time you got to the checkout half the things in your cart were gone right remember that yeah oh yeah. yes so i would just I was hedging my best because I, I i was like there's no way i'm gonna get both of these i might as well just get like and i was like how big could a 50 pound bag be like whatever yeah and then they both showed up They're so big. i had like you know yeah the thing over my shoulder and i had all these cameras in my in my uh in my kitchen that I had to get work through and people are asking me like oh do you still have the bread and i'm like i mean you still have the flour i'm like no i used it in like six months yeah like, yeah yeah. i went through it so, so i actually we, did develop a very good flour to recipe oh there you go so at the at like was there a moment when it showed up where you were like can i use this as toilet paper 
Because that's the thing, you know, we never knew whether yeah. for a little for a little while it was like that was the thing, TP. True. True. Yeah. That was never really an issue in our household, but why you have a, you have enough space for TP storage? I just, I just don't think we ever had a problem finding it. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It was just the first couple of days. It was like, yeah. Yeah. I also, we, uh, yeah, I'm like, a, I like to order a bunch. I ordered a bunch, you know, we have like all these cabinets everywhere that are underneath benches in our So you're, so you're living like, New York City We had City a strategic life? reserve of, uh, of TP. Oh, man. That helped us out. Oh, um, yeah. But I guess I didn't think about, you could bake flatbread and turn it into, <laughs> turn it into emergency toilet paper. Yeah. I don't know. No. I don't know. Anyway. So anyway. Uh, yeah. So, okay. So it comes, you're giving direct uh, money to people. So yeah, we're not, but we're, we're giving, we're, we're granting out. Organiz- so like a lot of, a lot of like liquor companies sponsor us. Like you know, Dave Chang went on Jimmy Kimmel and shouted us out. And so a lot of like individual people were giving us money. And so we found the, the, the best places to give that to, whether they were large national organizations or more local ones that were like directly doing like, you know, food, food security or like, you know, covering people's medical bills or all sorts of different things that people needed help with being out of work. Um, and so that was uh, a, a big chunk of my, my time in, in 2020 uh, handling that. Um, but, and so now, I mean, we're still here. I mean, I think COVID isn't going anywhere. It's still here. And so I think the restaurant workers still need, they needed support in 2016, needed support in 1995 and they still need it now. And so now we have staff. And so we're kind of like, gone legit you know we sort of proved our our uh our reason to for being and so now we're just kind of trying to get settle into more like actually having to like ask people for money rather than just sitting back and letting people <laughs> hand it to us which was a really you know great great position to be for a couple of years but now it's like okay well now we're like really 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 cranking mm. so yeah so great yeah. all right so Good all stuff. of that was to kind of lay the foundation for people who don't know you who you are yeah. so then you write a book that is called Saved by the Bellini and Other 90s-Inspired Cocktails. Mm-hmm. So this is, you always like 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 fun, tongue-in-cheek yeah. stuff, right? Yeah. But um, I'm just going to go ahead and say this because people, people need to check this book out because you're like, oh, it's just like some cocktails that are named after things from the 90s. And while that's true... Sort of. While that's true, you have gone... 100% bonkers. <laughs> okay. Like st- I'm not talking about the references. I'm talking like the drinks you've the actual gone recipes. You have gone loony McToons. Yes. And so like, we need to talk about it, but why don't you describe how this book happened completely unhinged and how yeah. you have disguised as like, <laughs> I mean, you just can describe the disguise that the book is. And then just some real off the wall combos and and ideas in it. So to, I mean, is there really? I feel like it's mask off. I mean, if you look at it, it's like a it's like a it's a cosmopolitan in a varsity jacket holding like a Zach Morris phone on the cover of the book. I mean, it's like I'm not trying to like fool anyone here. It's like a Tamagotchi is uh, right there on the cover. I mean, it's basically it was the it was the title and it was the fact that the fact that Saved by the Bellini wasn't taken. So you're like around one day, you're like, so uh, what are we going to do? Uh, yeah, I'm smoking a, a cigar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, Saved by the Bellini. Google it. Is that a book yet? No? Let me call my agent. I mean, more or less. Really? Yeah, that's pretty much what happened. And it was like, I, I looked, I looked like the trademark. Thing. I, I, I looked <laughs> like that, like, you know, all that stuff. And it wasn't, it, it wasn't used and no one, no one has made a Saved by the Bellini Bellini before. Oh man. And it was oh. just like too good. And then every, and then from there, it just, everything fell into place. Cause you just, cause my first book, I don't know if you encountered this when you were writing Liquid Intelligence, but like, I didn't know what the book was going to be until I finished writing it. So I was just writing and I was like, well, well maybe this will be good. And I ended up cutting like 18,000 words from the manuscript in order to get it into like a real book. And I almost had to rewrite the entire book before I could like actually finish it. It took like at the last second. I was like, oh, shit. but this is like, but you I'm must writing have a book sold about it right away, right? You didn't, you didn't. Oh yeah, I got spec. the proposal. Yeah. 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 And yeah. it's sort of like, Hey, I'm going to write a book that's explaining cocktails to people, but based on my experience, but it wasn't like the whole idea. And like the, in the first book, it's like all about objective deliciousness and like subjective and like, you know, drinks have to be appropriate and also structurally sound that didn't really come about until like literally like the day before my like the final draft was due. Like that, it was like, I was about to lose my mind. So this one was like, okay, I'm writing a book about the 90s. I'm going to pick 60 something 90s things that I love that are like reasonably relatable. And then from that, develop drinks that refer to them somehow. Um, And either they were based, you know, you'll, I'm sure you have some examples because it seems like you've read the book, but like, (laughs) (laughs) but like, you know, sometimes there's like, oh, well, like this particular uh, reference incorporate like 
calls to an ingredient or like this movie, these people drank these things in this movie. So that means like I have to include that in order to make the reference work. So it was very like, you know, people always talk about like how like, you know, confinement and like restrictions and um, like boundaries create like a lot of creativity because you're forced to work within a certain kind of space that you can then be really crazy within that space. So you're not, it's not totally overwhelming. So that was definitely what was happening here where it was just like, okay, I know I have to make a clueless cocktail that includes Diet Coke and coffee. Yeah. That's how do I, I, know, how Diet, do I make Coke, that Diet Coke. Yeah. And so does it, so my question is, cause here's what I think people, first of all, two things. One, everyone who was sentient during that time has a slightly different nineties, yeah, right? So like, for sure. I, was in college and early adulting in the nineties, mm-hmm. right? You were in high school. And, I was, and I was, I t- 12 to you're born in 82, 82, late right. 82. So I was, I had turned eight when new year's happened to from 89 to 90, which is technically still the eighties, but whatever. Right. Uh, and then I was uh, 20 when, so I was like, I went, I went from like third grade to college Right. In the decade. So that's yeah. like it. So it's, yeah, that's like right. the decade for me. Right. But yeah. for instance, Saved by the Bell, I was in college when that came right. out or like was about to go to college. And so I wasn't watching it because that would have been kind of creepy. Because that would have been really weird. Yeah. yeah. I mean, imagine a college kid watching Saved by the Bell. I mean, it? now that makes a little sense. But, but the time, back then? Yeah. No. No. And speaking of it, you got one of the cast members to, to yeah. write your forward. Tiffany Thiessen. Yeah. And she's herself. also a food person now. She is. She has a... She has a um, her, her, um, there's a cookbook that came out already and she's got one that's coming out in the fall. That's all about leftovers. And I love that. And yeah. I'm like so excited for it actually. I mean, I, I like leftovers. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and, uh, by the way, uh, the screech not related to Mike D not related. There's Beastie, Bo- Beastie Boys. Yeah. Not related. They're I, both named where, diamond, but they're oh, not related. I didn't even realize that. Not related. A, no. Yeah. Yeah. People used to say that they were related. That's funny. Remember that Joe? Everyone would say that they're related. Not. I mean. Whatever. And, you know, rip, rip screech. R.I.P. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Anyway. Poor guy. Uh, but yeah, so that's not part of my 90s. Like my <laughs> 90s, um, you know, to me, the, the big switch in the 90s was when everyone started listening to what they called alternative music. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like yeah. when Nevermind hit. Oh, yeah. That was like, oh, now everybody listens to this kind of music. Yeah. Uh, it was so it was it was so amazing how like big like Nirvana was. Because considering how not poppy, I mean, it would it was pretty poppy, but it was just like just imagining like that Nirvana being like that's like Taylor Swift, you know? That's how big they were. It was huge, but it, they and impossible and, to to like it was just nuts. I remember like listening to like jamming out to Nevermind at like my friend's like fourth grade birthday party. Okay, so <laughs> a, as like a you know a college student, right, who was in a bunch of like alternative bands, so like all listening to, you, you know, we were listening to like Fishbone, my guitarist was Dinosaur Jr., like Primus, like yeah. all that kind of stuff, you oh, know yeah. what I mean? Um, you know, we were li- that's the kind of stuff we were listening to, right? And, uh, you know, the people who in high school, you know, had never heard of Jane's Addiction, but... Mm. Uh, you know, listen to Steve Winwood all of a sudden. You know, they, all, like they were like Steve Winwood, like you know, which I like. You know what I mean? Or like you What's know, the song Josephine. I don't remember any yeah, of that. Like Steve all Winwood. of his like eighties output. Yeah. At, like I've erased like it from rock. my head. Yeah. yeah. Or like you know, Fine Young Cannibals. All <laughs> that. Like th- those people who were listening to that. All of a sudden, I'm like, what are you doing? That's like what? You know what I mean? It was a weird moment. You know what I mean? It it was good because. I think those bands deserve to make a crap ton of money, yeah. but I was like, you know. Well, it's just, it goes to show that what if something is good, it transcends genre and you just like can't control it. Maybe. Like good music, it's just good music. I don't know, they just commodified stuff that, anyway, whatever, whatever we'll figure it out. So like, we, we, we come from different 90s, but yeah. we fortunately don't have enough time to talk about all of that, all of the, the ins and outs, the nu- <laughs> nuances of the 90s. But it's basically, you use it as a kind of a, a it seems like it's giving you license to just kind of be nuts yes. so you know on the one hand you'll do an apple teeny by literally blending a granny smith apple with uh, what was that spec again blending the granny smith apple with lime with lime i would have called for like a sorbic or citric acid but it's like yeah, yeah. Not doing that yeah right and then so straining straining it and then letting the whole thing chill for a couple of hours yeah. right so you have that level of bonkers but then you also have drinks very a lot of very spirit forward mm-hmm. like like no acid stirred drinks like like uh, you have one that's like whiskey. Is it whiskey? Akavit? Oh, yeah. It's the AOL Instant Messenger uh, cocktail. It's AIM. 
And it's uh, Aquavit, Irish whiskey, and Midori. Yeah, because you love Midori. You love anything. First of all, like you and Nick, you and Nick Bennett are the are the kings of blue. Yeah, in, in New York City. Friend, actually. Oh, how is he? How's he's he great. Yeah. yeah. So, you, like, you know, I've whatever. You're you, like your famous blue drink is the shark. The shark. Yeah. The shark. You want to give the spec for the shark? Do I don't not? remember the spec for the shark. Oh, give but, me a break. I mean, I remember what the ingredients okay, are. Okay, what are the yeah. ingredients? So it's uh, butter-infused uh, white rum right. uh, with Ray and Nephew, Frangelico, Blue Curacao, cream, pineapple, lemon, and uh, the Bitterman's uh, Tiki Bitters. And the oceans of that at PDT. It's still on the menu. Really? I think so. Yeah. I haven't been in a while, but if I have trouble getting in, I'm like, hey, pass me a menu, and I pass, put my license through. I'm like, look, it's me. <laughs> so uh, anyway, so like... Midori, Aquavit, and Irish. Actually good? Actually good. I was surprised. I was really relieved. <laughs> well, so, I was really relieved. <laughs> so what I what I think people need to see because of the because like also some of the you go from being kind of like in terms of money spent for the liquors and this kind of high and low at the same time too, yeah. depending. So like and it depends on kind of which recipe you're going to, but these were all tested approved. Yeah, I made them all. Yeah. 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 And you had, and you said in the back that you had like a bunch of people make them. Well, I made the, I made it for a bunch of people. Yeah. I had, yeah. I had some, I had some, because like, uh, let's talk. Cause sometimes so, you can get a little bit in your own head, you know, when you're making drinks and you're like, oh, is, you're like, am I just lazy or is this good? Uh, yeah. That so you need a, you need a gut check. Yeah. So a couple of things. Uh, so, so some of the stuff is like, yeah, I'm going to throw the apple in the blender as a way to get the apple flavor in, but not have to do a bunch of intervention, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. And strain it out. I'm sure it tastes good because, of Great. course, and grannies, by the way, self-clarify pretty quickly. Right. And so it's going to be good, whatever. Yeah. Uh, but let's talk about some of the stranger or the different kind of things in your uh, Bellini, mm -hmm. right? By the way, uh, Stas, you remember that time that we went? in the back of house at that event at Cipriani's and they were, had the big bladders of peach puree. Oh yeah. And yeah. They, and they were just like, and I've I think I was at that event. Really, I've never had a Bellini since then. Cause like seeing the peach puree be like, <laughs> <laughs> and then they were just like dumping that cheapy, 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 cheap, cheap, cheapy, cheap, 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 cheapy Prosecco over the top of it. I think I, I think I worked that event with you. Yeah, Maybe like downtown, like way downtown. I think. It, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. We were like, I was just like, Oh, well, you know what I mean? Like, goop, clarified goop. Like, uh, sorry, carbonated goop is not my... Carbonated goop is tough. Yeah. Anyway, your Bellini, didn't you put bananas in it? Yeah, because I, you know, the white peach puree is hard to find. Yeah. Right? Again, I'm not trying to... Again, and even I thought my, my last book was pretty accessible in terms of ingredients. Even that, or even if I have to do another recipe, you know, I do Food 52 recipes every month. And, like, I have an ingredient that I think is, like, reasonable. And people are like, I can't find this. And it's like, so I'm like, okay, what's, like... How do I make this so that you can like go to like a Seven Eleven or like the gas station and find these? Oh my god, gas station Bellini is your next exactly. book. Yeah, and so I thought like you know, canned peaches always in season. Yeah. Oh, uh, uh, yeah. That's an old video. That's, yeah. that, we used to say that to each other all the time. Yeah. Booker and Dax. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so I sort of took that idea of like, well, canned peaches are great, you know, for them, but they're not that like kind of fresh and puree. -y. They're just right. kind of syrupy and kind of honey. Well, also, whites have a floral note. So I guess bananas are estery. So, exactly. So yeah. I just wanted to like, um, what is it? Like, what's a fancy word for it? But like doctor it somehow yeah, yeah, yeah. to make it sort of kind of read more of like a white peach puree, which actually isn't even white. But I figured like, what's like the, what's a really easily, easily findable fresh fruit that you could throw in that would like kind of give you that. Same. And it works? It works. What was the other thing you added? You added another, you added, uh, did you add a spice to it? I can't remember. There's another thing so. that wasn't. There's one more, I think there's one more ingredient in your, it's called uh, no ID peach puree or something like that. Like, I, or like, what's it called? Like fake ID peach puree? <laughs> yeah, the fake ID peach puree. Fake yes. ID yes, peach yes, puree. Yes, I should know yeah. this, it's my book, but whatever. Yeah, it doesn't matter. I mean, how are you yeah. going to remember, all, how are you going to remember every turn of uh, phrase that you put into a book? Because the, the entire book is turn of phrase. It's true, yeah. So you can't possibly remember it all. Although like, fake ID peach puree, you should remember. Yeah, I like, my I, my favorite's the heart in a blender or simple syrup. Oh yeah, yeah. So what, yeah, because it's just simple syrup. <laughs> it's just simple syrup, man. Yeah, 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 yeah. And you're like, if you must heat it, you can, but why? But why? But why? So let's talk about uh, then. You do have some flavors that are more complicated Fancy. than normal, fancier. Yeah. Let's talk about this. I was kind of intrigued by your ultra grenadine, you love the ultra which, grenadine. which comes so up. You mentioned it. Yeah, yeah which comes up like uh, in at least four, three or four recipes more probably. Yeah. So talk about ultra grinding. Okay, so here's the thing about like a lot of sub recipes in cocktail books that I find to be a bit irritating is that you will have a recipe for like a syrup or an infusion or whatever that the yield is like five quarts or whatever yeah. or a quart. And then there's one recipe in the book that calls for a half ounce of it. 
And it's like, why am I doing this? Like, why I'm, I'm not gonna, I don't want to ask someone to go through all this trouble to make this ingredient if they're not going to use it a bunch. So <clears throat> I did that for this book where I was like, I'm going to create a bunch of like, kind of basically make a mise en place for myself where I have like fancy grenadine, fancy honey, simple syrup, and a few other things that you can sort of make and have on hand and use them in a few different ways, however you want. Um, <clears throat> so one of them is the ultra grenadine, which if you just want to make regular grenadine with pomegranate and sugar, you can, and the drinks will work fine. But um, I did a uh, cold infusion of black tea in saffron into the water that you then use. And that gives it a little bit of... Gives it a little... It makes it fancy, like the depth. It's like the weird saffron. I don't know what the hell saffron tastes like, but it's good. <laughs> <laughs> plastic, like luxurious plastic. Luxurious, it's the best I can super do. Super plastic. Yeah. Um, and so it creates this really deep, really rich, like really super like kind of concentrated grenadine flavor that i use in um and you jack the acid too because you put unsweetened cran which is exactly. as we know is yeah. every, like the, the the coolest new ingredient in the past 10 years it's so good yeah yeah um and actually the the fun thing about the ultra grenadine is that um you know april watchtel yeah know, cheeky cocktails yeah she made we did a limited run oh yeah so you can just go out and buy ultra grenadine ah and they it's called that it's called that oh, it's nice. like branded it's like a whole thing so huh. so she's selling it it's it's on sale now and so if you're if you don't even want to make it yourself you can just order from her Oh, nice. So it's amazing. Right. Uh, it's super fun. Um, and then it's a, it's a, the recipe that you have open to is a Dark Phoenix, which is based on one of the best X-Men storylines ever. I mean, again, I was not in, during this period yeah. consuming that kind of stuff. So Yeah, it's, it's it was on Saturday morning at like 1130. So I don't, I don't blame you. Um, but I actually went on an actual, there's a podcast that does recaps of, of, the, of the X-Men animated series. And I went on and talked about the the dark phoenix storyline so personally. are you gonna like do endless ones of those like i saw that you got called to like some save by the bell reunion or something like this no i went to the i went to 90s con uh, in hartford connecticut oh yeah oh my god hartford and i i handed copies to mark paul gossler mario lopez elizabeth berkeley and alicia silverstone and two of the guys from nsync uh chris kirkpatrick and joey fatone and Jeff Timmons from 98 Degrees. And I handed a copy of uh, the book to Thora Birch's like, manager because she's in, I mentioned her in the Hocus Pocus cocktail. Oh, well, you should check out uh, JDB. That's what we call John yeah. in the real life. Check out JDB's uh, Instagram account <laughs> and look. You've not, I've never seen a smile on his face as big as those pictures where he's just like all these people <laughs> <laughs> and the book. It was like, it was nuts. All right. Uh, what, what else do you want to, oh, here's a strange one. Uh, it's prune juice. So this is based on, um, uh, uh, the Whoopi Goldberg character Spine and Worf, uh, Worf, right? Yeah, Worf. His, that is a warrior That's drink. A warrior's drink. Yeah. Yes. So you want to say what's in this? And it, by the way, I actually kind of, even though like the idea of tonic water and prune juice because of the <laughs> bubbles and gloop problem, bubbles and gloop is going to be like my, maybe my, you know, the book that I write that's published after I die. Do you, do you not like how the bubbly gloop like sticks to the side of the glass? There's, yeah. That's all the aspects of it. Yeah. I find troubling, but that's fine. It doesn't mean that it's not good. So the, like, I like, <laughs> troubling. As, I, as I've gotten older, I realize that, you know, uh, like just because I have a problem with it, it could. It's most likely my problem. It's, your, it's a you problem. It's a me problem. Yeah, and that's part of growth. That's fine. Yeah, yeah. So why don't you describe this? Uh, All right. So the so Guinan is uh, this bartender from Star Trek: The Next Generation. Like Whoopi Goldberg lobbied Gene Roddenberry to be on the show because she was so inspired by Nichelle Nichols, who played Uhura, for you know being like her on the show uh, and inspiring her to be an actress, and so. Uh, and I was weirdly not, I don't know, like if, if Guinan like made me want to be a bartender, but Guinan like made me like love bartenders because she was this awesome bartender. So who, not like, Isaac. That's too young for, it's too uh, Isaac from the Orville? No, no, Isaac from Love Boat. See, that's, the, that's uh, my generation. Love Boat, yeah. You didn't no, watch I, Love Boat. Was, oh, yeah. Was past. That's old people stuff. Uh, yeah. So, um, and, and so I was being, one of my first interviews I ever did with any press it was like a new york magazine inter like q a or something like that in like 2010 or something person was like what is your favorite on-screen bartender and i was like guinan from next start to next generation and she was like i have never heard a person answer that question as quickly as you just did <laughs> <laughs> um so that's the level of like where i hold guinan in my heart um and at <clears throat> in one episode of of the show she uh she's sort of like consoling 
Worf, who's this like Klingon. It's a species of people. They're very like warrior like and sort of he's very dour. All the other Klingons are actually like kind yeah, of but fun. You like him anyway. And though. he's like, Whoa. he's kind of a grumpy pants. And so she gives him a glass of prune juice and he's like, his eyes light up and he's like, this is a warrior's drink. And so this is a gag for the rest of the show where he's like drinking prune juice all the time. Um, and so I figured that there's like, there's gotta be a fancy sort of like a cocktail, you know, alcohol version of that. So, uh, so I turned it into a cocktail with, uh, with wine and tonic water. Yeah. yeah. It, it's like, it's like Pinot Noir, prune juice, ango and tonic. Hell yeah. You know what? It sounds like it's delicious though. Is it though? It is. Sounds delicious. I this wouldn't have a, put it in the book if it was gross. But what I'm, yeah, but what I'm saying is, is that like, this is what I'm just <laughs> picking some random recipes out of here to just show that if you get this book, which, you know, you should check out this book. It's not just like, it's not. So a lot of people will write a book and they'll read, they'll, they'll just relabel some standard beverage. Right. With the name of a movie. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. And like, uh, you know what's really good at that, actually? Like the so-and-so mojito. The, right. be the best one of that is actually the Star Wars cookbooks. Have you seen them? I've seen them. They're really good, but they're basically just relabels of regular yeah. recipes. Like the Moss Eisley taco salad. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I mean, they, they, they'll gussy it up and make it look like Yoda soda, I think, is a little weird. It's got like mm. a, a sherbet in it. It's a good name. Okay. Anyway, but like, this is not that. This is like, I was inspired to use these kind of ingredients, and then I made this cocktail that has been tested, and I like it, and, you know, here's my pedigree to prove that I know what I'm talking about, yeah. and it's off the rails. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, like, that's the kind of vibe I get off the book. What's, uh, I feel like one of my favorites that you'll appreciate is this one. Oh, yeah. So, I was going to talk about this. So, you make way, and uh, so, we had... Uh, yogurt person last week Homa Dashtaki on and you know she makes whey and I was actually using her whey in shaken drinks right mm -hmm. so you using the whey here and it's you know it's got a gold bloom picture and the Tyrannosaurus Rex is going to drink some and it's a blender drink with whey that you make and it called life finds a way life finds a way uh I actually had a question about this drink because um I know people blend with pineapple all the time but like I always tend to under ice my blender drinks so that they're not too tall to keep as much backbone in as possible. But the problem of under icing when you're doing something like pineapple or something like whey is that it foams up. It gets too frothy. Yeah. So like, is it just that I need to just, just suck it up and throw enough ice in the blender? Yeah. Also depends on the ice you have. You know, if you're using like the, the larger, like I have the half moons from my ice, ice machine yeah. versus like this cubes or whatever. I feel like, it's, and also the blender, it's like, I didn't worry about that too much when I was speaking. Right, 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 it just right. sort of works. I think if you, I think it's, I think it's, it's better to use like more ice than less. It is yeah. because it can't froth up as much. So right. it's way, it's a boatload of whey and then rum, creme de cacao and mango. Mm -hmm. You're a lunatic. Yeah. You're, you're, That's you're not that crazy. I mean, no, but okay. It's, yeah. I was trying to make something Costa Rican because the island and we got to get these questions in for okay. you. And uh, by the way, uh, also I'll say we have two minutes. Don't worry. Uh, I'll say that uh, there's plenty of non-alcoholic uh, drinks in here yeah, as well. Yeah, it's like, like thirteen percent like non-alcoholic. Mm. I like how you give it as an ABV, something like that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, Droogie says for JDB, uh, where would you recommend somebody start learning how to make pair non-alcoholic cocktails? Is it easy to get into without having to buy expensive non-alcoholic spirits and the like? Yes, that's a good question. Uh, the spirits are great, but they also they're all very specific, so it's hard to like call for a recipe that works for a lot of them. I would suggest getting a book called Good Drinks by Julia Bainbridge, and it, the recipes are uh, challenging, but it's from an inspiration standpoint, they are great. And then you can sort of get get used to that and start to like get the idea of how it works because it's just a totally different structural ball game with non-alk versus alk. It really is. Yeah. Uh, from Delicious Spear, uh, does anyone have experience making floral infusion syrups? I live near several groves of wild plums. The blossoms of which huh. I'd like to turn into a syrup or cordial. I see some recipes call for steeping the flowers first in, a, in a hot water. A lot of infusions in this book, by the way, including prunes, and then you use the prunes as a garnish. Then adding sugar over bain-marie, while other recipes call for making the simple syrup first and adding the flowers to infuse. Would you expect a difference between these? Or are they mostly interchangeable? Wait a I... I, I all right, well... I'm passing to you, Dave. Or we'll come back to it because I don't have time to go as <laughs> ape into that as I want. Now, lastly, uh, for you know, for you today, Casey Highsmith, who's a food historian, you should check out her Instagram. Yeah, yeah, it's good. Uh, not explicitly cocktail, but I'm curious about the cocktail flavors of wine coolers. I remember my grandparents Ooh. drinking these in South Texas back when I was a kid in the 90s, probably early 90s, because they were on the down trail in the, like in the 90s. Like Mystic, St. Ives? Well, see, like real wine coolers like Bartle and James, everything oh, yeah. in the 90s switched to malt beverages. Right, right. So uh, how did these come to be? So what happened was there was oceans of wine 
in California in the 80s because there was a huge glut. Mm. And uh, the California Cooler was the first one, and they bought up a bunch of like Thompson Seedless like grape wine wow. that was stored in tanks and mixed it with fruit, and it just exploded. And then because that exploded, then places like Ernest Julia Gallo, which mm. is who made Bartles and James, thank you for your support. Remember those guys? Yep. But then by the time you get to the 90s, that that wine glut was gone, and because the taxes increased on wine, everything switched to malt beverage, and then it just became like all these crazy flavors like, like you have strawberry, now. which is right. good. Right. Yeah, it used to just be like wine and some fruit. Yeah. But I don't I, you know like did you ever consume that stuff? Yeah. But it also has a huge yeah. negative a huge negative connotation in the 90s because that's when people started worrying about our you know like candy cigarettes and like, like for kids. Yeah. Things for kids. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? And obviously wine coolers are they're not difficult to drink. They're not not for kids. Yeah, they're yeah. not not for kids. But yeah. now they're kind of back. At Trader Joe's they basically those things they sell in champagne bottles are wine coolers. Yeah, it's true. It is. Yeah. 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 You ever try one of those? No. <laughs> Wait, why am I so resistant? I'm also resistant to hard cider. Because I don't I don't believe it's a word. I don't like it's like I don't believe it's a word. Like it's a cider or it's just not real? No, I mean, not hard cider. Hard uh, seltzer. Oh, yeah. Hard seltzer is gross. I don't believe it's a thing. I, I haven't had one that I find delicious yet. Yeah. The, the, yeah, there's some bad ones. All right. <laughs> so next week we have Matt Sartwell getting your questions for classics in the feed, field. Meanwhile, we have this new classic in the field, Saved by the Bellini. <laughs> Thanks for coming on, JDB, as Thank usual. You. Cooking issues. Cooking issues.